welcome to the Down in Front Podcast, the official podcast of downinfrontpodcast.com. If this is your first episode joining in, we want to say thank you so much for joining. Thanks so much for tuning in. We always appreciate it. What we usually do here at the Down in Front Podcast is that we review movies, TV shows, just about everything that happens around on the internet, all while having ourselves one of our favorite beverages, uh, which is beverage in French. I know that because I speak French. And tonight, what we're going to be doing is reviewing one of the newest latest sci-fi movies called Captive State. Uh, Super excited to get some actual opinions on this, but before we get into the reviews and all that sorts of stuff, we always like to have a roundtable to figure out what else we've been watching. So, I'm going to toss it over to my best friend. We go way back. I'm super excited. We have a date set up just for us, me and him, this Saturday, and I can't be any more excited. Mr. Brylan, Mouth of the South. What's going on, man? What you sipping on, and what else have you been watching? Hey, yo. Hey, how's it going? Uh, yeah, I am super excited, excited for us as well this Saturday. It'll be yeah. a fantastic date. Um, what I'm sipping on right now, I still have some uh, Stacy's Mom left over, so I'm just drinking that. Nice. Uh, she's got it going on. Nice. So, really good. Um but uh, what I've been watching recently, been I've been definitely uh, watching a lot of the new Netflix stuff that's been coming out. Uh, so one is the new original Netflix movie, Triple Frontier, that uh, stars everybody and their mother, too. It's crazy. It's got Ben Affleck, Oscar Isaac, um, Garrett Hedlund, um, Pedro Pascal. It's even got Charlie Hunnam in there for the Wicked Good Gaming guys. So, but... Um, this is an interesting movie. There's actually, it's actually very well produced. It feels just as good as a lot of uh, action films that have been out recently. Um, the set pieces are done really well. Uh, it's just something about like they have a lot of like serious social commentary, especially with military service going back to civilian life, that they kind of just falter on and they just gloss over. Which I think they could have actually had a been able to handle that very well. I think a uh, TV show like The Punisher handles that type of thing much better than this. Uh, and the movie is kind of just very predictable where it comes out. So it's solid, but I wouldn't say it's an amazing uh, movie. And then the other uh, series I've started watching is Love, Death, and Robots, which is the animated uh, anthology series uh, that started on Netflix. That is a uh, cyberpunk-themed anthology series throughout kind of like the animatrix uh just going over different types of ways you can tell cyberpunk stories and i'm about six seven episodes in and it is amazing uh like even in the first episode i did not know it was cg until you got one until they showed the characters faces i thought it was live action it's done so freaking well uh which doesn't surprise me that it's blur studios that did that first episode and if you don't know who they are uh they're the studio that makes all the uh cinematics for uh blizzard for any of their world uh, any of their warcraft games starcraft things like that so they're definitely a very talented bunch of people um it's also uh produced by tim miller and um oh gosh Tim Miller and David Fincher. So it definitely has a great pedigree of going in. Uh, Also, one thing I would say is like, even though it's like 16 episodes long, uh, the old each episode is only 11 to 15 minutes. So it's definitely very digestible and bingeable as well. Definitely check it out. It's one of the best things I've seen this year. 
Good stuff. Yeah, I mean, both of those seems like some pretty heavy hitters, and especially because everybody has a chance to watch them now. So, um, good stuff. I'm excited to kind of get your approach, especially for talking of sci-fi on our movie tonight. So, thanks for joining in. No problem. I'm going to toss it over to one of my favorite people. We have missed him dearly. We were crushed when he couldn't come on... I mean, so many episodes, but mainly that Captain Marvel episode. So I'm very excited, not so much to have him on this particular review, but excited to see his face. Mr. Mocha, how's it going, man? What you sipping on tonight? Where have you been traveling? And what else have you been watching? Hey, everybody. So happy to be back in New York. Even happier to be back on the podcast with these fine gentlemen. Uh, you know, Warren, you may have been crushed, but I don't think anybody else was more heartbroken than I was when I had to miss the Captain Marvel movie. Because, obviously, I'm the resident Marvel scholar for Down in Front Podcast. But also, this movie was one that I've been pumped for for years. So it really sucked that I couldn't be on. But I'm here trying to do my best I can with tonight's awesome movie. Uh, um, as for what I've been up to... I have been away traveling uh, for work. I just got done doing a like cross-country road trip, um, or at least a segment of it. I spent like almost four weeks traveling by coach bus from D.C. all the way to Austin, Texas for South By, which was pretty sick. I just got back from there the other day. Um, and as for what I'm drinking... I'm actually drinking the exact same Buffalo Trace bourbon that I had the last time I was here back in January because I've literally only been in my apartment for like two weeks since December of 2018. <laughs> so I've still got some of this bourbon here. Uh, yeah, it's a nice little welcome home uh, greeting since I don't have any pets or loved ones and my plant was nearly dead when I got back. <laughs> um, so... I revived it. I revived it. A lot of it was was necro- uh, necrotic, but I got I brought most of it back. Anyway, pumped to be here, guys. I'm very, very excited to talk about this movie tonight, even if not everyone in the group is as excited as I am. I feel like that's a shot at me, but uh, did he talk about what you've been watching? Mm, I didn't. I suppose I should. It was really hard for me to actually watch anything these past couple of weeks because I was working every single day. However, I did manage to squeeze in. The Promised Land is an anime about an orphanage of children, and that's all I can really say about it. Um, this is one of the cooler animes that I've seen in a while. It's super intense, and I feel like nobody should talk to nobody who's seen it or read it should talk to anybody who has it about its plot until they've read the first chapter or first episode. Um, I definitely encourage anyone who's even remotely intrigued by my description to just go watch the first episode on Crunchyroll, Torrented, whatever you got to do, and then um, have a healthy dialogue about it, because it is a cool show with a cool premise. Yeah, when I saw that you watched The Promised Neverland, I was like, oh, he's going to talk about that Michael Jackson documentary that came out. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, There's a lot of jokes that's in that line. I'm not going to touch that (laughs) at all. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, I I mean, I think right now that episode number one, uh, I think it should be free on Crunchyroll. Um, So definitely go check that out. Um, I would tell everybody... To go read the episode first, so if you go to viz.com, that should be available also. Um, Go read the episode, excuse me, go read that chapter, and then go watch it in the anime, and then let let us know how you feel, because I started it, and I was like, why is everybody talking about this on the internet? And I was going through, and just kind of flipping, and I was reading it, and I was like, oh, what? And... 
that's how it started. So uh, I'm excited for you to kind of continue. I'm excited to also continue because I haven't finished yet. So Promise Neverland is uh, sounds pretty cool. So good stuff. Uh, my name is Warren. I will be your host this evening. Uh, sadly, I am not feeling well and have not been feeling well for the past almost a month. Um, so I've not been drinking or eating uh, a bunch of other stuff here. So I'm just sipping on some vitamin water. Really, hopefully that I uh, feel better sometime soon. Um, but I finally... Although Emma fell asleep, but whatever. I finally got a chance to watch this movie called Border. Do you guys, have you guys seen this movie yet? I've heard of the name. I'm not quite sure what it's about, though. Okay, you probably heard of the name because this was the only movie in the last maybe three, four years that I've actually sat and watched the trailer. And I was blown away by the actual trailer itself. And so we watched this. It was on Xfinity. um, And we kind of rented it. And we actually kind of watched this movie. And the only thing that I would say about this movie is it follows a Border Patrol sort of worker. Her name's Tina. Who has a a sense and a really great gift to be able to kind of smell different things um, during that actual job. And during that particular time when she actually meets somebody that kind of sort of looks like her it really kind of opens up her world to figure out exactly who she is and try to find her identity. And I, I'm not sure how I feel about this movie. This movie is very out there. I mean, if this is fear boners material plastered all over it, but it's not a horror movie. Um, it's very entertaining, uh, entertaining. The makeup was absolutely phenomenal. I I'm surprised that they didn't win an Oscar because the makeup in this movie was absolutely crazy. I think vice won or something like that, which is, doesn't make any sense. Whatever. Um, definitely go check out Border. I, I would love to have a conversation about this movie. Now, it is uh, subtitled and is based out of Sweden. So, if you don't like subtitles, sorry. But I really hope that more people has the ability to watch this movie. I think it was racking like a 98 on Rotten Tomatoes for like a long time. Um, I don't know if I can rate it that high. I'm just, it, would just, it was a movie that I was never been as intrigued to finish since it started and it was great so definitely go check out border um you can definitely kind of rent it we saw it on amazon um that you can rent it on the two but we rented it through uh xfinity so that's what i've been watching so um as always we're going to send a couple of sips and send our shout outs to people or things or uh entities that we want to say thank you for being you um so i'm going to go raise my drink here and say brylan who are you sending your sip to tonight I am going to send my sip to the guys of the Wicked Good Gaming podcast, uh, Chris P, Tall Lucky, Butthole Stanky, Dom, and uh, Dr. Bob. They are really good people, but also they are going to be hosting a uh, After PAX party on Thursday, 28th at 7 p.m. at the Good Live, so I think that's going to be awesome, and uh, they're always excited about PAX. As am I, so I'll be out there. I'll be hanging with them. And they just make good work. And it's also really cool to see what they're doing. So here's a sip to those guys. I guess those those dudes are all right. Uh, Mocha, who are you sending your sip to tonight? Yeah, I'm going to be sending my sip a little bit out west to the city of Austin. Um, this was not my first time going to Austin for South by. It was my first time working it, which was a, a certain, which was a, an interesting experience. But the city itself is always dope. Whether I'm there for South by when it's flooded with uh, you know tourists and visitors, 
or when I'm there like during any other month in the year where it's still filled with people that aren't from Texas because it's such a such an attractive spot these days. Uh, the city has such a cool vibe, and the people there are awesome. I've never once had a time in that city that wasn't just completely chill and really fun, and I love visiting there. And if it wasn't for the fact that I was in Texas, I'd probably move there myself. Um, so I'm going to raise my glass and send a sip to Austin. Nice. Thank you, city of Austin. Uh, I'm going to be trying to send a couple sips to a lot of different people and personnel who usually doesn't get, give a lot of shout-outs. Um, last week, uh, last uh, review, I ended up sending it to Lashana, who actually played the character in Captain Marvel. This week, I'm actually going to give it to the cinematographer of this film, Captive State. His name is Alex Dizenhoff. Um I took a look at their work and didn't seem like I've actually recognized anything, but... Coming up for this movie, some of the actual sort of shots were absolutely stunning. Um, and I really enjoyed some of the set pieces and shots that were just set up, especially because I spend a lot of time in Chicago. And I'm like, oh, I've, I've actually seen that. Oh, I've seen that. And I've been walking around all weekend. He's like, oh, cool. They actually did kind of recreate it as much as possible with um, a lot of these building and structures. So um, I want to say kind of big, big shout out to uh, you uh, for the work that you've done on this film. And with that, we're going to get into our spoiler section. So if you have not seen Captive State for right now, you may want to end up pausing the actual recording, uh, pick up a little bit later on. We'll make sure we put the timestamp in our actual sort of episode details. Uh, so we are going to take a quick break, and we'll see you soon for a full spoiler edition of Captive State. back and we are the Downer Front Podcast. My name is Warren. I have the luscious Mocha and the beautiful Brylin. Tonight we're in our spoiler section for Captive State. So if you have not seen Captive State for right now, it's one of the newest sci-fi films in theaters, definitely go check it out. I mean, there's not too much in theaters right now that's new besides Captain Marvel's. And so I would tell you to go watch Captain Marvel, but if you want to watch something new, an original story, maybe check out Captive State. What we're going to end up doing is going to um, toss it over to a couple different sort of uh, sections. So as we usually do, we're going to break it up into the acting and the characters, and then we're going to talk about the story and plot before we give our conclusion. So what I'm going to do is read the IMDb sort of uh, graphic before we toss it over to Brylin. Captive State, set in Chicago neighborhood nearly a decade after an occupation by an extraterrestrial force, Captive State explores the lives of both sides of conflict, the collaborators and the descendants. So, Rylan, talk to me about the acting and characters. Yeah, uh, when it comes to the acting characters, uh, I think it's just fair to start off with uh, John Goodman. Um, He's always been one of my favorite actors in any movies, and I like that he gets cast in a role that's kind of out of his element compared to other roles he's played, where um, he actually has to do some physicality. The dude has to run and stuff, and you know what, John Goodman... Props to you for getting a little bit healthier in your older age, but and also being able to hustle. I appreciate that. Uh, old chunky dudes can still run, 
definitely prove that to everybody. Um, it, but I think what's awesome about John Goodman, he can turn it on when he's uh, loud and uh, imposing, but also he can also be very nuanced and subtle with his acting as well, which I think he does a lot in this movie. And I think it actually helps elevate the movie to higher levels because of that, because he has moments where he has to be straight up the bad guy in this movie. And, uh, but we know that by the end, I mean, his whole overall purpose, even though he's having to sacrifice people, he's having to, he's probably even murdered people to get to this point, but it's all for this one moment that leads to a significant change for the rebellion, uh, against the aliens. Yeah, I mean, I can't, ex- I can't give him as much props. Like, I want to give him even more props for his physicality because I think the last time that I've seen him in such a prominent role, and maybe I could be forgetting the film in between, was Tin Culverfield Lane. And it felt like he couldn't move in that actual film at all. Now, I understand they were underground. Yeah. I kind of get that. Confined space. But, yeah, but even in the confined space, I think he was like kind of dancing. And there was like a couple of bops that he did at the jukebox there. And I was like, oh, that's kind of fun. But like seeing him out in the belt and actually kind of flexing. Oh, actually, maybe it was um, – what was that uh, movie with Charlize Theron? And she was a agent. Atomic, Atomic Blonde. Blonde. Atomic Blonde. So he was in that, but not not really. So I really like yeah. the actual physicality that he kind of put, he placed in it. I was super pumped to kind of learn a bit more and kind of delve into his character a little bit more. So he was really nice to be on scene, especially just being an antagonist for the majority of the, for the, uh, for the time. So um, definitely kudos to you, Mr. Goodman. Yeah. Um, I also thought... Uh, I also think it's neat that there's some actors like I've never seen uh, before in other films here. Um, one is Ashton Sanders, who played Gabriel uh, in the movie. Um, he, he plays this character that's kind of like in between. He's not really part of the resistance. He's not a collaborator with the aliens. He's kind of just trying to survive, and his ultimate goal is get the fuck out um, up until a certain point. And... I, I felt like his acting, it wasn't, it was kind of erratic. Um, there were points where I actually looked up to see whether or not he was a British actor because I could hear his accent change, but he's actually from California. So I was wondering if he was trying to affect a Midwestern accent and just was dropping it from time to time. Um, but I thought there were some really cool points where he showed some good raw emotion, especially when he was with his brother Rafe as well. I was I'm kind of I'm kind of nervous about Ashton Saunders here because it it feels as though he's being and it's not fair because he hasn't been in a lot of movies but the movies that we have seen him in it feels like he's definitely being kind of typecasted into this certain uh, demographic and the only other two movies that I know that I've seen him in was Equalizer two and Moonlight. And so when I look at these three characters, yeah, he was, was he the was he the kid that he uh, kid. oh he was the kid that he Denzel kid. mentored. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, oh. yeah, exactly. But he, so <laughs> if you look that. at yeah, he looked at. The, I mean, he plays literally like I know the plots are entirely different, but he plays a very very similar character, but a li- a bit more. Um, I guess not as. Uh, 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 talkative, like not as open. It felt like he had a, a bit more muted or a, a more 
I guess, complex sort of performance in Captive State. And so I, I guess I'm just kind of nervous that he's kind of getting stuck in this role to be like this skinny, kind of weird, wily kind of gangster kid, but not really. Um, he plays that up. Uh, pretty well and I really hope he doesn't just get stuck in just doing those roles all the time um, so I think that was kind of a bummer because I, I wasn't entirely sure what he was doing sometimes and what actions and what directions that was kind of given to him and at, and at one point and I thought it was super weird at one point he just disappears from the film entirely and I'm like wait wh- what? What, what's going on? So I was not. Sh- I'm yeah, not yeah. sure exactly what they were, like how they were actually kind of using him. Especially if he's supposed to be like the centerpiece when we get this that great sort of uh, shot from a phone video at the end and that huge reveal. And so if he's supposed to be sort of like our main character, it, I guess I just kind of wanted a bit more from him throughout the entire movie. Yeah, and I think uh, there there are. Um some plot points we'll, which we'll get into later that I think kind of undermine his character a little bit too. Yeah, Mocha, you going to say something? No, I was just going to say that, uh, yeah, that section where he was disappeared from the movie was before that, like, the whole secret plan went into motion and he was just kind of kept out of it for the entire time and I think that was to give us a focus, like a laser focus on what was meant to be a really intense, uh, like, long yeah. scene. But I think it... I think it was like an issue that this movie had overall, I think, with pacing. Yeah. And I feel like it was cool when I realized, oh, they're giving this character up timeout because we're going to get a different point of view. But I don't think they really capitalized on their ability to do that while telling a story that really had the potential to be much more spread out yeah. given uh, you know, the, uh, the setting and what was going on. Yeah, I, I think... I don't think in, when he disappeared that had anything to do with him as a character. He can't kind of control that, right? It's everything else. It's, right. the show, it's the showrunners and the people who created this movie um, that they just didn't explain enough for me to be like, what's happening here? Because it, it just didn't really make a, a lot of sense. And I know we'll talk a little bit about that later on um, in the actual sort of plot section. Yeah. Mm. yeah uh, one other, uh, Another uh, actor I thought... I thought was actually really great, even though we we get some moments with him, but he, he's definitely not the central character, but his Jonathan Majors is Rafe. I thought it was just really cool. Like, they set him up as this living legend of the Resistance after this uh, battle at Wicker Park. Um, but uh, I love that when we find out he's alive and everything, that... Um, he's, he's not that living legend in a classical sense, where he's like, yes, I will lead the rebellion to a greater cause and everything. Um, they, they play around with his character. I mean, we can see that he's visibly scared a lot of the times, that he knows that every time he goes outside or anything, he's putting his life at risk. And I, it was good to see that he has kind of like that paranoia. He's always looking behind his shoulder and everything. And I think that also speaks volumes with like, um, like people that are in... Um, underserved uh, areas just uh, having to look over the shoulder because of authority figures and everything and I think that even when it gets to a point where he's tortured that it's good to see that he's not like stoic and taking it uh, quote unquote like a man he's actually in pain and everything so I thought he did a fantastic job with the character he portrayed yeah I can't agree with you more I was really bummed because I felt like this was 
one of the more interesting characters that they gave him some time to shine and I was like, oh, okay, like this is the kind of movie that we're kind of um, getting into. I definitely felt they tipped their hat a bit too much of plastering his face all over the place and saying how he's dead. Clearly we know he's not dead. Like, it was obvious. It's like, alright, I've seen this guy's face like ten times before we even see his brothers once. We know he's gonna show up. It's just a matter of when he shows up, right? And then the weird... Uh, being on the bus, everything's like super dark, and he has a hat on. I'm like, that's clearly him. Just you might as well just show me that's him in the first ten minutes of this film. What are you doing? Uh, but I I liked his character a lot. I I kind of wanted him a, a bit more um, in this actual film. I kind of wish that not necessarily the roles were switched, but I think both of these brothers should have been highlighted a bit more. Less on John Goodman's character, less on the other side characters, because there's a lot that was introduced at a moment and then all disappear. And so I think those things need to be kind of tuned down. Also, Machine Gun Kelly being in this movie, why? But it, <laughs> it, it was like, I, I like what he was doing, and I think he was playing much like you were talking about, like a tortured soul. Uh, but he still has to be there for everybody else. He understands and he's willing to risk his life to do everything that he needs to do. But it's tough because now you have a family member on there and that complicates a couple things. So um, I, I really like some of the scenes that we were kind of getting from him. Uh, again, I'm going to say it a lot, but the script did not really help him at all. No. So two things, uh, two things about what you just said. One, Machine Gun Kelly is great, and I want him in every single movie if possible. Uh, and two, um, I think that you said Warren earlier. Uh, it, I really wanted more out of X, and I feel like I wanted more is my feeling towards almost everything about this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this movie was an hour and forty nine minutes long, and we know that a specific scene was 40 minutes, which means that there there was really only an hour and nine minutes of this movie, <laughs> which isn't a lot, and they tried to do a lot, and I really feel like this movie, the, the tone wasn't good enough to have it be a standalone franchise. I feel like, I wish this movie was like a, like a four-part miniseries on, like, HBO or something like that. I think they could have done a lot if they just expanded on every single aspect, like character in this movie, um, while still retaining like the vibe and the feel and the intense that forty minutes, like that forty minute scene could have been its own episode. It could have been episode three, you know, like or episode two or whatever. Like, and so in the previous episodes, kind of building up who these characters are and why should we, we should really care about them. But I really feel like this movie, we needed more out of it, and I don't think an actual feature length film was the right setting for it gotcha yeah um another actor i just wanted to mention is uh vera farmiga um we get just a few scenes with her um i do like her character how her character is set up it's not the first time i think i've seen a prostitute as the leader of a uh underground revolution or uh insurgency uh but i i always like that trope and um, and it, I think uh, that she has some neat scenes with John Goodman that definitely speak more with how they uh, are looking at each other and more of their um, behavior towards one another rather than the words they're saying. Um, but I think that maybe we should have had some scenes more to kind of establish like that that is an actual working brothel or anything or uh, just uh, have see some more of her clientele that would actually walk through her doors. Yeah. I was very confused for a long time in this film. 
exactly what was the purpose of her character. I, I guess it was on purpose because they were trying to keep it in the dark and kind of keep, keep it closed to the huge reveal. I get that. I, I, I guess it's fine. It just didn't make any sense to me when they did reveal it. I'm like, you could have told us some of this stuff before. I mean, it feels like for me when I was looking and seeing her character, I'm like, did I miss a part of the movie? And I thought I legit thought I came in at the wrong time. I came in late because they were just dropping a lot of things and characters and he was going through and talking softly. And I was like, is John Goodman a good guy or a bad guy? Like, there was just not enough character development, again, we were talking about Mocha, that I'm trying to understand. I'm trying to kind of pull things and grasp things out of the air. I'm like, what's exactly what's supposed to be her character? Is she supposed to be a bad person because she's a prostitute all of a sudden? And then we find that she's a kindergarten teacher, and I'm like, what? How did that happen? So, um, I, you know, again, I want to say it a lot. I thought she was really wasted, but I'm, I'm not sure. Well, I feel like, and this is actually an issue I have with the story of the the, mo- the movie, but I feel like it they were definitely intending to try to make her and John Goodman's relationship mysterious. Um, you know, the fact that she's that she is uh, number one or whatever they called her, uh, like the leader of the rebellion, was supposed to be a twist at the end of the movie. But I don't think at any point was it like well hidden that she was a good guy working for the rebellion. Yeah, it was in the insurgency some way. Um, yeah, I felt like that was just it, like, right off the bat. And, you know, they tried to to hide John Goodman's motives with going to see her, and I actually think the twist itself was kind of nice, but I don't think it was, because it was such a limit, we had such a limited amount of time with every character, mm-hmm. it was like, okay, obviously she has to be part of the insurgency, and obviously John Goodman has to be involved with them, because otherwise we wouldn't be seeing all this stuff, you know? Um, but, yeah, I don't know. Is that when you got to the movie, like when John Goodman was first interacting with her character? That's like 20 minutes. No, I got to the movie when the, uh, I mean, the beginning, when the car, the family was going through and. When Racing Gabriel's dad and mom were trying to drive him out. Which doesn't make any sense Mm -hmm. why Racing Gabriel didn't die in that car blast, but whatever, so. Well, he covered his head. It it makes sense because. What? You shut your mouth. (laughs) They were in the back of the seat. Oh, okay. In the back of the car. Oh, okay. That's yeah. I'm not gonna. Wait. We're not. We're not here. We are not gonna go and oh, poke holes no, no. this. They came back back to this. They came back to this later on to show us that the aliens have a hard time with back seats <laughs> because that that one guy <laughs> yes. hid in the back seat for like 20 minutes while Bro, waiting for his friends to come save them. I was gonna bring yeah. this up too later on. I'm like, okay, hold up. Is back seats, or why didn't Rave actually die in that car? Like, well, you can tell me you can just fight them with your hands and pull off their mask. What? It's alien crypt. It's alien technology. Can't explain it. Just like in Captain Marvel. Uh, <laughs> the humans call it a couch. <laughs> we do not understand its mystery. Oh, so bad. Uh, go ahead. Speaking of the aliens, uh, I did want to mention a little bit about the alien design and uh, their look and everything. Uh, I liked it. I didn't love it. Uh, The spiky version of the aliens uh, were kind of neat with how they could just uh, morph into weapons. But uh, as you said, like, there might be some logic issues with how they could attack people, especially if they get in the backseat of cars. Um, But I found that their weapons that just dusted people into a red mist was fascinating. I I, th- I wasn't scared or anything when I saw it happen. It was just like 
uh, a nice little bit of shock where it's like, wow, that person doesn't exist anymore. Like, they're totally gone. Uh, you don't see them anymore. And I thought it was a very well done, uh, I don't know if it was a practical effect or CG or anything, but it was a really neat effect that kind of just, uh, kind of actually added to the desperation of the movie that we felt throughout it. I don't want to make it seem like I'm just refuting all your points, Brylin. So I definitely don't seem like I'm shitting on your your thoughts. I thought it was kind of bummed, though, that you either show me the alien or you don't. Mm. Don't give me this show me, but it's too dark to actually make out what's supposed to look like in between. Because... What am I supposed to do with this? And there are so many kind of things that I'll I'll talk a little bit about the lighting, but the lighting was not their friend in this movie. But there's so many different times in which I'm like, am I supposed to be able to discern what this alien looks like? Or is it like putting my own imagination into this and maybe they rip off a mask or something like that's when one of the characters ripped off his mask. I was just kind of confused as to why they even showed it in the first place. Um, because maybe we didn't need to see what the alien looked like at all. We didn't know what any of the stuff underground looked like. We didn't know what actually what any of the hunters like. Truthfully, like we got, we saw them what they looked like later on when they were kind of invading the bus and stuff. But that 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 yeah. just didn't make too much sense to me. And if it is, we're talking about infantry gunmen. We're talking about the different ranks and kind of military. That that's fine. Some of that stuff just didn't make a lot of sense to me. And I'm like, why would they? make that choice um especially it was like pretty full center that we could actually see sort of what the alien looks like i thought that w- that was kind of did, did themselves a bit of a disservice well at the beginning yeah. they definitely established that the aliens can easily turn off the power grid of the world and so they were able to i mean if it's going to be in darkness i mean that's why is they know that uh power is a necessity and they established this thing like the government's wanted to actually start uh, clamoring for an armistice to get the lights turned back on, literally, uh, among other things. And so I, I thought it was a neat little, um, neat little, like, alien trick that they use throughout the thing. It's like before they uh, come and get you, they're going to put you in darkness so you can't see them. I don't mind the overall darkness of the movie, but I... I feel the exact same way that Warren does, at least about the notion of, like, give me all of it or give me nothing. You know, like, it's pretty standard um, in terms of, you know, film creation when you have sci-fi elements or horror elements that are supposed to invoke fear in the audience, that you do one of two things. You either make them super mysterious and never let you really see what the the villain or bad entity is, so that way the audience's imagination immediately fills in the worst possible thing they can imagine on an individual basis, or you show us exactly what it is, but you make the experience of interacting with them so intense and so uh, like horrible that it becomes scary in and of itself. This is like something like you'd see in like John Carpenter's The Thing, where you always see the aliens and monsters, but it's horrifying to deal with them. And in this movie, I feel like they didn't do either. You know, they tried to keep things super like dark and misshapen, and you could definitely see details of the urchin aliens, but never really saw them clearly enough. Um, the same thing with the uh, the hunters. You saw them really clearly, but again, always in the dark. Um, and I feel like, you know, either you choose to go fully mysterious or uh, or not. But 
they gave us just enough where it wasn't really, they weren't really alluring, but not enough to make us invested in how scary it was to interact with them. Um, at least I felt, felt that way. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I do agree with you. It's, I love the design of the ship though. That yeah, was their, cool. Their spaceship that was, was really cool. Yeah. I liked how, I mean, just if, I don't know if it's natural is the best word for it, but it just felt like it it belonged in that world, and it kind of just felt like it was something expected to see if an alien invasion happened. It was just every once in a while you'll see these ships just burst off into the atmosphere, taking prisoners away, and it felt like just yeah, this is this is kind of like establishing like uh, think of like if aliens arrived and started. Uh, just oppressing everybody and enslaving the race that yeah you would see like just constant ships just flying off taking prisoners or slaves to do whatever they want I yeah guess. and also the, the look and movement of it was really cool because you know too often all too often sci-fi writers will say okay what are aliens well the aliens are the most advanced version of what we are and usually their technology reflects this. It is at least representative of different things that you you would have seen in the human world. And here it seemed like something completely different. Like the spaceship looked almost like it was fully organic. It didn't look like something that could float and fly, and it didn't have any propulsion. But it moved in this way that no like uh, airbound ship, airborne ship, or even sea ship that you know humans create moves and i thought it, was, it gave a really eerie feeling to all those quiet moments looking over the lake when you just see it uh taking the prisoners away yeah all right uh i mean i only had a couple other um thoughts to add for the characters uh i really enjoyed that sequence i uh, what we were talking about that 40 minute sequence that felt like it was an ocean's 11 with all the humor removed but it was a really nice kind of heist and set up especially how everything was happening at a particular kind of time and different beats and you can see that each and every one of the characters had to make that choice to like sacrifice and give up their lives so i thought that was a really really cool really powerful sequence uh to the point where that's another reason why i wanted to kind of give a shout out uh, to the cinematographer and also probably the editor there that i loved that sequence because there was so much going on at one point and it was all it, I mean, it was crazy a lot of different things had to happen i think the dog barking also kind of bothered me in a good way because i was like oh that's uh that'll be scary that's annoying that you just working and all of a sudden this random dog barks and that's like your cue to have to give up your life like oh shit and then we we see everything slow down all to the point where in that elevator they're just standing there and it's just something about like rafe's jacket in the bright red that's almost kind of off center and all the other characters kind of around him i thought that was marvelous i was really on board with this movie so i thought that was actually kind of pretty cool so i'm really glad that they gave us some of these characters i'm not saying that we needed to learn all of it about it but we actually didn't even see from a lot of these characters anymore like were they just kind of recruited randomly like some of them were too young clearly they weren't a part of the the bigger resistance uh and so it, it felt like they were just i guess once that happened i sat there and said okay well it seems like all these people are gonna die except rafe and that's exactly what happened in the movie. I was like, oh, come on. That sucks. Like, I, I, I was hoping for, like, a different sort of outcome um, to see whoever has the most amount of lines is going to stay alive. So I, I didn't really like the fact that they kind of threw away their side characters. I kind of wanted a bit more um, from those impact moments, especially because they all or half of them committed suicide. I mean, 
come on, like, that emotional beat is completely washed away with the fact that it's a voiceover from John Goodman, and we all we see is, like, some reaction shots from other people, and we actually see, like, um, the, the medical student, right? He's actually in the actual bathtub because like, he slit his wrist, and I'm like... They, that entire emotional sort of element that was attached to those characters is completely thrown away. And that was really sad uh, because it felt like it just was kind of rushed and we didn't kind of care too much about it. I mean, this is what I, I, I mean. Con- nice, I want to contradict I... that, but I want to get into the story and plot part for that. <laughs> okay. Um, fine. Before, you, yeah, before we go on, I just want to say that like this is what I mean by saying that this movie needed more on both ends because that scene was so cool. The aesthetics of the group themselves like you know that shot where they're in the elevator and you see all of them lined up they're all such different and unique looking people and they all seem fascinating and i wish we could have gotten to know them even just a little bit you know these are all a group of people part of a terrorist network that are in a very small slum like we could have seen some interactions there without going in like super overboard with like in-depth character analysis sure yeah, Mocha, what else do you got for acting and characters? You know, I feel like ultimately my feeling with the acting is that the acting was fine. It's just there wasn't really much of it. You know, like most of the characters, their whole role was to just kind of look there and look somber and overall defeated. Um, aside from Rafe, who was the only character who really seemed to get any emotional outbursts. Uh, uh, well, him and John Goodman. But uh, I thought the acting was, was just fine. But there, But yeah, there wasn't much of it. Okay. Uh, so talking about acting and characters, let's go over the story and plot because it feels like we've been waiting to talk about this more so than the acting and characters. I'll toss it over to Brylan. I'll let you. Uh, yeah, so I'll uh, start with what you just mentioned. That 40 minutes of watching the insurgent cell go through the motions of communicating with one another, telling each other it's time to execute uh, the plan and executing the plan is brilliant. It's uh, I love how they just set up that it's not about like this one big message or one big like uh, golden football that has to get to the magical place to actually make everything happen. It's all sorts of many different pieces that have to come together in these very intricate parts to actually make this plan pull off. And we actually, it's really neat that how do you actually communicate with one another in a world that has eyes on you no matter what? Like, especially with these, um, these tracker bugs that they've implanted into the human populace, which are like very like kind of body horrorish on their own uh, in their own uh, rights. Like there's a one scene where we see that lady in the park and the the tracker bug actually is like pulling at her neck and stuff just because the uh, the flying robots are just like oh you must have done some bad come with us. It's like pulling out tugging at her in her neck and that's like ooh that's very horrifying and stuff when you see that Uh, but I thought that this insurgency plan was brilliant up for the most part where we meet all these different characters in a very breakneck pace that we have this car mechanic we have this uh, med student that's found a way to take those trackers out we have uh, Rafe in there we have this um uh, this guy that runs this nightclub. Uh, we have uh, 
We have, uh, like, all these different pieces that are coming together. Uh, we have this priest uh, that makes everything happen, and the priest's wife somehow has been able to smuggle one of the alien bombs. Uh, that's a cloaking device as well. And to just add all these parts together and then have them run into some uh, moments that are kind of harrowing, like especially when they get to Soldier Field and Rafe is waiting at the uh, exit point where they think that the uh, guy that they need to put the bomb on because he's going to be meeting with the, um, with the uh, what do they call him, the legislator. Legislature, mm-hmm. <laughs> nice name for them. <laughs> um, that uh, that he needs to put the ball on there. That he's actually going through a different gateway, so he's got to have to ru- haul ass to the other side of Social Field to actually carry on the mission. Uh, it's all fantastic. I would say just one little thing that I thought needed to kind of be expressed better was the impact of the insurgency's bombing. We see like a big ball of fire go through the tunnels at Soldier Field, but uh, we don't see like who was killed or what was killed. Uh, what was the uh, fatality impact of that? Did it actually... It, we know it didn't really hurt the aliens' base in the center of Chicago, but it's we know that it's actually pissed them off a lot for some reason. So we get, we, it's, but it's, we caught him been better to see like a group of those aliens get killed, uh, rather than, or seeing a whole section of soldier field just erupt would have been, I think, uh, more shocking, uh, visual and it would also kind of play in more into the end of the movie where we see john goodman go down into the caves of the uh, aliens and his whole body is covered in uh bombs which i thought was a magnificent visual as well just seeing him go down into that tunnel and you start to slowly see the bombs actually show themselves around him uh but then we also see at the end credits like we see like base destroyed, base destroyed, and starts happening around the country and everything. Uh, so uh, I think that was a, uh, I thought that that was a brilliant piece of movie making was that 40 minutes of insurgency. I just wish that the payoff was just a little bit more uh, in your face to show us like, oh, wow, they actually did some damage finally. Yeah, I, I like the setup of that sequence too. I know I talked about cutting this out, but it was interesting because I had no idea what they were doing. She was hiding some sort of weird thing that we couldn't really see, but it's a cloaking, it's a bomb. She was hiding it somewhere, I think, in the toilet, right? In the top of the toilet. Yeah. So I'm like, what? what's happening? There's like a lot of mystery, and the guy was able to kind of figure out how to arm it because he used to be in the army lieutenant i think um so he's he was in the marine corps marine corps okay and so i I like some of that information on there but again i can't agree with you more that bomb should have killed a lot of civilians unfortunately but it definitely should have Um, especially because to see how large that one that one bomb right because he stuck it on the carrier right and that's what's that that's what they determined who was going to be so that should have blown up a lot more uh but they i felt like they rushed the their i felt the movie at that sequence felt like they wanted to focus on how the characters were going to escape and less on the impact and make it even that's okay but the escape wasn't as just wasn't that good 
um, especially from what you already kind of set up. So uh, I think that was kind of a, a bit of a bummer. I, I did have a clarifying question for you guys talking about the story and plot. What was everybody when during the raid when John Goodman goes in kind of raids um, – everybody's sort of like apartments and stuff like that and Pilsen yeah yeah and Pilsen so what do you guys think what the people were all throwing away um, out of the uh, their windows and stuff in Pilsen contraband like anything that the aliens have established is a no-no whether it's like technology or weed or drugs I mean it would have been I mean I, I think it was just very like reminiscent of like I mean if the police raided a um raided like a like a, I don't know what you would call it, but a, a ghetto house or like a very big, <laughs> a big, you know, a, a like a big, house maybe? A, a big, house? like, I mean, crack house or a ghetto apartment that's like a super How high rise or something. A ghetto domicile. It's like, you know, 5050 yeah, that one really person runs right around here. and then you just like toss that shit. Nah, I love that. I love that Brylan has watched The Wire, and it sounds like he bases everything off of I that. haven't watched The Wire. <laughs> <laughs> I just can't get my words out tonight. Thank you, beer. I think it wasn't anything specific. I think it was just contraband that they were throwing out the windows. Got it. Okay. I felt like I was also kind of missing something, like... I guess we didn't necessarily know what was on the the list itself, but also the dumb decision for uh, Gabriel to somehow why is he there? And he also has uh, I'm not going to talk about this yeah is home. yeah but why is he there? He's clearly being on the run. Yeah, Brylin, continue to talk about plot and story. <laughs> All right. Um, well, you mentioned earlier that you're kind of like bummed out by like, oh, they're killing these people all off and we didn't really get an emotional connection with them. I think that's kind of the point. I think it's we definitely they're trying to show like, hey, people are going to die uh, a lot when you actually face up against an oppressive force like this. But is it worth it is the whole big answer and at the end they definitely say yes it's worth keep on fighting no matter who you lose in this even if people that have been on your side the whole time have had to actually hold you at arm's distance so i think it was really neat about mulligan that uh he was keeping tabs close tabs on rafe and gabriel uh especially uh rafe because they have been known terror known to actually uh either do terrorist acts or be uh, associated with terrorists. But also, it was twofold. He, we find out at the end that like this, he was the partner of their dad, and he's essentially like a godfather or uh, an uncle to uh, Rafe and Gabriel. And so I think it actually validates a lot of Gabriel's emotions and also some of his inconsistencies that how he feels towards Mulligan that he's very resentful and hateful towards him because he was his dad's partner as well uh, but I think it also is the brilliant part of like John Goodman and like what happens with Mulligan is that he's actually playing both sides of this uh, conflict that he's yeah, he has to actually act as the captain of this special uh, 
agency, but also he's want to make sure that these boys grow up to actually fight for the right thing, uh, which I thought was really cool, even if it means that their life is has to be sacrificed. And I think that's very telling with Vera Farmiga's character that when they actually raid the brothel that uh yeah she gets immediately just shot in the head and everything it's not very uh melodramatic or anything it's just people walk in shoot her in the head that's it and that last scene with john Gibbon and uh vera farmiga before that happens it's definitely telling where she hands him the cell phone it's like uh in this box is what you need and it's uh just played really well but it's also very very subtle how they do it that uh it's uh it actually is telling that like yeah she's not gonna see this through the end and he knows that and that's breaking his heart at the same time beware the greeks bearing gifts yeah i liked how they uh were approaching current events in a very subtle fashion and it made you think more about current events and what could be the possibilities if something was taken to uh the extreme or got out of hand that it's not like kind of captain marvel where it was kind of heartfelt with the refugees and yeah very definitely passionate towards like those of underserved uh lifestyles that they they need uh compassion and they need help to get to where they need to be this is more of uh like if a um, if a if a government became an authoritarian government and started oppressing its people, even though there's peace and no fighting and no crime or anything, but there's no freedom and everything, and there's no lack of and there's no uh, way of there's no way they can have agency because they all have uh, these uh, probes that are stuck in their necks, telling them every single thing they do. Uh, that it's uh, it's uh, almost a hopeless cause i think that the opening scene where we see rafe and gabriel's dad trying to drive him out and everything that he shows like he's a cop and trying to get past that barrier and even the cops won't let him through um that uh when they when their parents get killed it's a very shocking moment that basically tells you like oh this is kind of hopeless stakes that their technology is so superior and so alien to us that humans how do they stand a chance to actually take on this force that's actually taken over their world and is going to strip mine it for all its resources and everything um but uh oh go ahead yeah now going on that um the government was not shown in any positive light in this movie at all oh no Uh, they rush right ahead to say hey we give up yeah (laughs) i was like like, immediately i was like oh okay the army's in it and then you know we do a little small flash time forward i was like oh the government just doesn't give a shit and then they are automatically like the government is oppressing its own people for this this thing and i'm like oh shit like you're telling us to revolt right now. Like, the message that you're sending in this movie is a little clear of, like, man, the government does not give a shit about its people. Um, that's at least is what I was like, oh, fuck. This movie is only 15 minutes in, and y'all are hitting me some heavy. Y'all throwing haymakers already. Like, oh, I, I don't know how I feel about this, but uh, I'm, I'm curious to see, <laughs> you know, how other people who watch the film are, are looking at... Um, some of the messages that are not subtle at all. It's pretty, pretty blatant in my opinion. Yeah. Well, you get this a lot with movies that have a 
any sort of rebellion aspect to it. Um, because with any form of rebellion, there's two views. One is the uh, like freedom fighters, and the other is the terrorists. And one side is going to view the other uh, is going to view them in that in that way in every single conflict. And so with movies like this, you always have a very direct slant to tell the audience which one of those sides they should be on. With Star Wars, you're always told that the Empire is an oppressive, tyrannical regime, and therefore they're freedom fighters. Um, and with movies like this, you're also told that they're freedom fighters, but the very least you can see through the way the government and everybody around the, re- the rebels reacts that they're viewed as just straight-up terrorists. Um, so I feel like it's a rare movie that finally walks the line between those two areas and makes you question what they are on the other side. And honestly, even just thinking about it right now, none come to my head that I, that in terms of cinema that have executed that well. Yeah. And that's one thing I'd like really appreciate about this movie is kind of unique in it's storytelling that those things where other movies would take some time to make you feel about a certain character or anything. No, they just say like death is death and it just keeps on moving on because I feel like the way this movie is structured is usually the way I would actually say a movie is kind of like broken. I'd say they didn't really hit it out of the park or anything, but a lot of times I don't like exposition dumps, but I kind of liked how they did it here because I felt like uh, if y'all ever uh, seen any of those videos by Simon Sinek, he's like a uh, motivational speaker or anything. He has this thing about uh, the circle of like how businesses create products and stuff and how most businesses go one way and then other businesses that are very unique and everything, they go another way. That's how I felt about like the, uh, the uh, actually the trajectory of the story was definitely very breakneck and face forward. I mean, there's no like uh, reverse in time or anything, no flashbacks in this movie. It is basically we're starting here and ending here. Uh, but also felt like the plot structure was actually reversed. Whereas like we're showing you the effects and the actions first at the very end, we're going to tell you why. And I thought that instead of us, we do get a bit of an exposition dump with the uh, with the debriefing with the aliens at the end, which is like, oh, we found all these tapes at Vera Famiglia's house, uh, and yeah, uh, the commissioner's voice is on them, and that's why he gets sent up to space and everything. Um, but it's also John Goodman's way into actually getting access to the aliens too. Uh, but then at the very end, that movie that is played for Gabriel is like, why is this important? Why should you fight and everything? It's not like instructions on how to actually win the war or anything. It's just purely just motivation. Why we fight is this imagery of families together, being happy. It's before he's born. His mom's pregnant with him. They're at a party celebrating that Gabriel's coming and everything. I guess... I don't know if it was a gender reveal party or anything, but it was uh, it was really cool to see. You see a young Rafe there. Um, you see Vera Farmiga that uh, John Goodman, it looks like it's his first time meeting her, and that sometime, eventually they fall in love at one point. Uh, but 
also John Goodman has a speech is like you got a choice of being a teacher or a cop and whichever way you go hopefully you do it for the right reasons and I thought that message was actually really beautiful for this movie that's all full of darkness and everything to end on that I thought was really cool I, I guess my only issue with that is it, it felt too pointed to um Gabriel's character yeah I just wish that message was a bit more universal I felt like it was a a bit too pointed to Gabriel and he also destroyed it so then nobody else can see that footage and that should have been something that been broadcasted everywhere right this is why we fight Um, I, 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 I mean I wouldn't care I wouldn't give a shit if I was living a shitty like, life in a ghetto and someone else was like, hey, I used to have a good life back in the day. But that's, that's the like, thing, that was right? to motivate what, him to yeah, follow exactly. on to carry the torch yeah. that John Goodman and the rest of his family and friends had been managing that entire time. Exactly. Yeah, but that's why I think it should have been changed to be a bit more of a universal, like not just point it to Gabriel. It should have been like more information. I can care less. I like the fact that it was not instructions, right? It's just purely more motiv- motivation. But him destroying that was, okay – what, what now? Like, uh, are you going to be like be the new res- like the new kind of leader of this kind of revolution? Like, what are you going to do to kind of uh, motivate these other people? Uh, I just felt like it, it kind of felt a little bit flat to me. I thought it was a great reveal to see that everybody had a had a had a part to play, but we just didn't get enough from his character to see how it kind of that impact again to see exactly what he's going to be doing. But I don't know. Maybe that just that's just something for me. Yeah. I, I completely get that. I completely get that, that that feeling, that point of view. To me, the entire the entirety of that scene was meant to show that not only did it kind of click in his head that people had been sacrificing and hiding and working hard to sort of lead this charge on their own, but it showed the moment for him that he committed to living that kind of life too, because he took it, he saw this thing that should have been something that for any a lesser person would have caused an immediate emotional attachment, made them want to slip up and do something stupid like hide the chip, which we saw in the beginning of the movie. You can't hide take data away without them catching you, and he made the immediate decision to say, okay, this needs to go. Because he now has the same sort of will and mindset that the same people that came before him did, which was being willing to sacrifice your memories of things that you love for the world that you long for in order to get the job done. Yeah, I mean, we, I mean, we ultimately see like Gabriel's only motivation up to when he confronts John Goodman at the raid is that he wants to get out. But then once he sees the boat is burned, once he finds out Rafe has been captured, um, he finds Machine Gun Kelly's gun and he confronts John Goodman because that's the only direct person that he sees that is like. Uh, this is someone I ha- I can actually get to that's actually against me. And uh, once he actually approaches him with a the gun, then he, that's the like that's like the sign that John Goodman sees. Like, okay, Gabriel's ready. Mm, I don't think I got that, but I, I think that's a bit of a stretch. But all right, I don't think it is. <laughs> what else you got, Bradley? Uh, I would also say uh, I love an alien invasion movie where uh, the alien tech or the future tech, we get to see it in action and everything, but I like that the oppressed populace 
has to struggle to get access to it. So that just shows you, I mean, very smart invasion by the aliens that, yeah, they have all this technology and everything, but they're definitely going to uh, limit access of things to their populace to keep them uh, suppressed and uh, uh, also compliant to what they want to do as well. Um, but one thing that did really bother me is uh, I think this is the biggest problem with the movie is when Gabriel ever uses the neck harness thing, um, he, he uses it usually the wrong time. And it's weird. Like, he takes it off and he actually kind of just, like, rats out his brother and everything while talking to his girlfriend. And then when he's randomly walking down the street, it's like, oh, let me put the neck harness on so nobody can find me because I'm going to go run into somewhere that's a little shady. Uh, And then um, the only other time he uses the neck harness is kind of hide himself from those, uh, I guess this is a close-up of those hovering like bird-like robots. We finally get to see them up close. We're the ones that surrounded the, uh, the parking lot pod that he was in where they have like sucker faces and stuff like that uh that i don't know what they would have done to him with those sucker faces but uh he just had to like huddle down and just hang in there until something actually pulled him away yeah <laughs> i sat there the first thing i thought was why are you take why would you ever take that neck harness off yeah. <laughs> just leave it on for the rest of the movie stay off what the grid get out yeah. <laughs> and then i thought why aren't more people using these neck harnesses like everybody should be using these things i know it looks weird but like what's what's going on i that was I a mean, of suspicion yeah cause... that yeah for sure but that was like the biggest thing to be like what are you doing? Like, why was this even introduced? Like, maybe there was a battery issue. Like, maybe there could have been something. There's, there could have been a limit. But we get the fact that there's a neck harness. It looks weird, but there was no downside to continue to wear it. So, what I kind of got from it was the fact that because there was so much visual surveillance as well, and there were spies throughout the ghetto, that if you were walking around wearing that neck harness you would have gotten ratted out no matter what. But the whole goal of it was when you needed to make sure you were off the grid for an executable action, you snapped it on, you went dark, yeah. you did what you had to do, and then you took it off again, so you were back in the crowd, so to speak. Mm. Yeah, that was weird, kind of. The, the on and off, I was like, oh, this is bad. Yeah, also, the I just felt like... He definitely- he used it poorly. He definitely used yeah, it poorly. Yeah, <laughs> I, I felt like when Gabriel used it was at like the most opportune times. But yeah, its purpose is definitely obvious. I mean, the, the only other thing I wanted to add to this is that it felt like they spent a bit more, too much time of just characters running. There's just a lot of running in this movie, especially from Gabriel's character. And I was just like, why are we just following, trying to chase? You're chasing a guy in a car, and he's running on foot. There's so many issues wrong with this actual sequence. I... Don't, I'm not going to believe it at all. But Chicago's a big city. Yeah, clearly. I, I guess. <laughs> uh, Mocha, what do you got for a plot and story? Um, you know, for the plot and story, I mean, this movie... I don't think this movie was very long, but it felt long. And not in a way that I think really detracted it, because like I mentioned earlier, I wish this, mo- this movie had more going on in it. But I just feel like um, as well executed as that... Um, bombing run scene was the fact that it was such a long period of time without much or really if any at all dialogue it was it just kind of made me feel the time that was taking place and I don't know it was a very odd feeling um, 
I feel like overall they they tried their hand at a lot of misdirection, but I think ultimately that kind of failed just because it was kind of the the story was so pointed and so kind of direct in what it was trying to tell that there really really was only a few ways for it to end and it seemed kind of obvious that the direction was going to go. Um but I don't know. I like the theme of like the older generation trying to inspire the new generation to fight. Like that seemed to be like the the running discourse. But like we should have gotten some more of the new generation so we could care about what was being left for us. We had um, what's his Basically name? Basically, on Gabriel's sh- shoulders. <laughs> yeah, which is like I get it. He's the quote unquote like pseudo main character. But like, come on, like there needs to be other people. That's all this movie told us was that the re- the rebellion would have failed without having a lot of people who were committed. And the only other character we get is Jurgis. Who, as much as I love Machine Gun Kelly, like his character didn't do much. His character was—I honestly think his character could have been completely removed from that entire movie and, and not changed much at all. Um, and we should have seen more. We should have seen more of these characters that were going to be taking up the torch, um, that were around Gabriel or even around the other players. You know, like we had. Not the the kid, kid in the marine space, yeah, yeah, who ran with the quarters, and so yeah, he's going to be part of it. But like, he didn't have any dialogue; he just ran and like made phone calls. Um, there was so little else really to go to to go off of for what the future that this movie was ultimately leading towards was. Um, I think one thing about this movie that kind of annoyed me, and I get that it was for the sake of uh, having a big dramatic beat at the end, but. John Goodman blowing up in the elevator was dumb to me. Like he blew up in the elevator, and there's nothing to tell me that that would have completely de- like 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 eliminated the structural integrity of the entire facility. Like at least have him get to the bottom of the elevator, be taken into the main room with the legislators, the legislators, and then detonate there. You know, like gave us that payoff. We've been told this whole time that no one gets to go into the contained zone. And only the commissioner does. And John Goodman finally enacts his plan to sabotage the existing commissioner and become the new commissioner and get to see them. And we had that long moment before he went down the elevator where he was being interrogated. And so we get introduced to the head legislators via their voices and the translated dialogue. But we never get the resolution of actually getting to see him go face to face with them and detonate. Like I feel like that. I feel like like we were we were owed that at that point in the movie. Well, I mean, I, what's interesting is like so. Rupert Wyatt directed this. He did the first Planet of the Apes, which is also a very like brilliant idea but flawed movie as well. <coughs> and he kind of does the same thing at the end, where you see um, the person carrying the canister that actually starts the plague that starts wiping out humans, but makes apes smarter. Um, we get that in the credits where it shows like cities be collapsing underneath uh, this plague. That's just ravaging the world. And he kind of, I guess he just likes ending his movies this way because he does the same thing here where we see that, John Goodman's going down the uh, elevator. We don't know if he if the bombs actually ignited in the shaft or anything, but it's at the the next cut we see is a map and it shows that Chicago base destroyed, and then it starts to show other cities and the same thing happening. So maybe it's his thing. Maybe it's still like what he wants his uh, his uh, calling card to be whenever he makes a movie. I don't know if he did it in Cloverfield. He directed that as well. 
Uh, I mean, I kind of agree with both parts here. I think I was just kind of tired of this movie, so I didn't care how it ended, and I thought that was a cool beat. Um, so I do agree with you, Mocha, that I think that payoff would have been nice. I'm just a little afraid that they probably didn't have exactly the design of those legislative aliens, and they just wanted to kind of keep it a bit more mysterious, but he could have easily gotten down there and walked. Um, so that would have been cool. Um, yeah, I'm not sure how I feel about that one. I, I think it kind of ended fine. I thought it was cool just to see the visual, um, the visual element of the bombs kind of activating around John Goodman. I think that was what they wanted to kind of focus on a bit more instead of blowing some shit up. So let's move into our conclusion, kind of the final section. Um, Briley, would you recommend this movie? If so, what's a movie that you probably tell people to watch before checking out Captive State? Uh, Yeah, so I would recommend watching this movie. I mean, this movie is actually my kind of sci-fi. I like these movies that just make you start thinking, but also is able to kind of uh, as Mocha mentioned earlier, like kind of balance the fine line of like, um, or do we need to root for these heroes or not? Or, um, how can a, uh, oppressed, uh, populace actually rise against a definitely overwhelming force? It's always an interesting thing to actually explore. Um, and, uh, I think it has also make me a bit of a fan of Rupert Wyatt, even though I didn't really like Cloverfield that much. I did like Planet of the Apes and that's like one of my favorite trilogies of the last decade. Um, and I, I like that he takes these interesting risks and is, telling stories that are a little bit different than other uh, filmmakers. Um, I would say, like, probably a good movie that might complement this to watch it with would probably be uh, District 9, just because I think it's actually the reverse of this movie. So I think it would actually complement it really well. Okay. Uh, Mocha, how about yourself? You know, I don't want it to seem, based on the words that came out of my mouth earlier, that I didn't like this movie. I actually liked it a lot. Um, I'm still not quite sure if it deserves how much I like it, though. Um, it's moody, it's tense, it delivers on those fronts really well, but it doesn't really ever drive it home to a satisfying finish. Um, still, I'm satisfied overall with watching it. I don't think this movie deserves anyone's theater ticket money, but when it inevitably shows up on Amazon Prime Video, you should definitely check it out. Yeah, I definitely agree. I mean... Definitely don't spend your money. It is a bit of a original story, so I think you can actually get something away from that. Um, it just really executed really poorly. Uh, so I don't know if I can recommend this movie. Definitely check it out if it's like in the background or something free to watch or if it's streaming. Feel free. Uh, I just wish that they had a better story and they had a better execution. Uh, I guess that means they also have a better director and actors. But it wasn't all terrible. So it was definitely not the worst movie I've seen this year. So there you go. So we have in the Down in Front podcast. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks so much for tuning in. Brylan, where can people find more of your work on the internet? Uh, you can find me passing uh, cryptic pieces of paper to Mocha and other people on the internet at 
Twitter at Bryland, B-R-I-L-U-N-D. Uh, you can also find me posting many movie and TV reviews on Instagram at I am Bryland. Also, will uh, post not only the most fire memes on there, as the kids say. <laughs> it slaps, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Mocha, how about yourself? Where can we find you on the internet? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter where I style the hairs of chitinous, spiky, urchin-like creatures. Uh, Mocha Mike, L-I. That's L-I. Unfortunately, you cannot find me at Mocha Mike. The person who owns that username sacrificed his life in a feudal war, and now I can no longer gain access to it. Um, So until that changes, it's Mocha Mike. You can also find me on Instagram, where I post some photography work from my travels and general kind of pictures. Um, And Medium, where I've written some longer-form articles about the movies we talk about here. Uh, Check out more of our work at downerfrontpodcast.com. That's where you'll find video teasers, tons of artwork, our bio, just a lot of good information. That's probably the main place to go. If we're on Facebook, facebook.com slash downinfrontpodcast, Twitter, at underscore DAFP. If you like what we do, you want to consider becoming a Patreon, patreon.com slash downinfrontpodcast for bonus episodes, early episodes, and some more content. So anything and everything will be helpful. <laughs> we're actually on Spotify. We're on Google Play. Like Literally everywhere you go and find us, that will be amazing. Um, so that will be cool. We also appreciated and as we usually do we'll give you a bit of a send-off to talk about what we're going to be reviewing next week so brylan what is the amazing movie that we'll be reviewing next week uh we will be reviewing us that's right we will be reviewing each other on the next podcast (laughs) (laughs) that sounds kind of spicy that sounds exciting well we will say goodbye so long and we'll see you next week Bye. Yeah, from a business stance, I think this movie almost feels like Richard Wyatt.